For so long, lawyers were stuck on brick and mortar offices. Then we were able to advertise on <clears throat> the yellow pages and we went digital, websites, et cetera. But really, or we should say we went virtual, but really what we're talking about today is the next step, the digitization of law firms. I am super happy to be joined today by Dave Zampano. He's an attorney and serial entrepreneur, entrepreneur, I cannot talk today, sorry, who's the <laughs> founder of the Estate Planning Law Center, David J. Zampano, CPA Esquire, Lawyers with Purpose, and also Guider, G-U-I-D-R. Dave is also the innovator of the, is it IPUG? IPUG Protection Trust. There we go. IPUG Protection Trust, the Medicaid practice program teaching lawyers how to integrate Medicaid planning into their practice, as well as developer of the first cloud-based law practice management workflows for estate planning attorneys that integrates estate planning documents. Today, we'll discuss Guider, the first lawyer-only digital platform that integrates marketing, client engagement, and delivery of estate planning legal services to show us how we hit the future by digitizing our law firm. Super excited to have you here, Dave. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here, Jordan. It's just great stuff to talk about. There we go. All right. So I want to, I'm going to talk about our last episode for 10 or 15 seconds. Last we had on Monday, we had Elizabeth Henson, our community manager on, who talked about it takes a village, the secrets to building a community to help you raise a company. So for any of our law firm owner listeners interested in putting together a group, a Facebook group, a LinkedIn group, or really building a community for their law firm, that was one you cannot miss. But enough about that. I'm here with Dave. Dave, <laughs> share I, I know we did the bio but like really i want to hear so much more about your story i know we've talked before but it's just so interesting to see you walk the walk and then start building all this technology to help other lawyers find you know the same success that you found yeah well, you know I, I i i have that uh jd esq cpa uh, my mother always said alphabet soup equals dollar signs but um really when i what I didn't appreciate at the time is I grew up in a family business. So crazy. It was a, the food business, food and paper distributors. Um, and my mom, you know, started when she was a little girl with her father, you know, and you think about women in business, we're talking the 1930s and 40s. She took over the family business in 65. Uh, imagine that woman owned business before they even knew there was such a thing. And so I grew up, I, I didn't know it. I was the youngest of 10 kids, if you can imagine that, Jordan. Any women listening, my mother had 11 children in 12 years, no twins. So uh, pretty scary. But I was the youngest, and um, we grew up in this entrepreneurial household. My mom and dad ran the business, and in the 25 years they ran it, uh, it increased 37-fold. And since when they retired, they sold it to two of my siblings, who are still running it 31 years later in its 95th year. So... Um, pretty wild. I grew up in that environment. And then uh, funny story, I, I was um, when I was in college, I had worked my way up the rankings. My parents didn't believe that because you're related, you got to have a position. And so I worked my way up to where I was head of PR and legal. So I was managing all the legal agreements and the lawyers would never call me back. Can you imagine that Jordan lawyers not calling people back? Oh, and yeah. All the at, time. That's... Yeah. So I said, screw it. I'll go learn it myself. So I went to law school and I uh, after I was a CPA and I, I learned that. And then what I really, I didn't realize it until I was probably in my thirties that I was really an entrepreneur. So I started my own law practice, um, very successful. Um, I looked at the demographics where this was 1992 and the demographics said that by 2010, that's 18 years, 
uh, one in five Americans would be over the age of 65. Wow. And so I said, wow. And then I realized in my region of the country where I was, we are already at 23%. And so I said, well, that must be the thing to get in. I better get into an area of law that helps seniors. So I got into estate planning. And then quickly that turned into elder law asset protection. And so it just kind of went one thing after the other. And it really came from something my mother said. Um, my mother always said, and that's right. Most people, when your mother says that, you imagine, you know, mom sitting in the living room with, you know, bopping little Dave on her lap. But my mom was the, the CEO. Uh, it was in the boardroom where she was always giving me my lessons. And she said, Dave, put your head down, work hard, give people more than they expect and the rest will happen. And um, I think that's some of the best advice I ever got. And so I just kept doing it. I kept, and, and how I did that is listening. Uh, you know, I, I, I took a listening course once, you know, I reflective listening. But the first time I ever actually listened, you know, there's actually scientific way of listening where you actually know you're listening. Um, and it's got all kinds of names, reflective listening, things of that nature, results-based listening. Um, but when you actually do it for the first time, it was like, I was like blown away. Here I was, I was a lawyer. I was supposed to know I was a good listener. And I just learned to listen. And what I was starting to do in my practice early in the day, early in the early days of my practice, I can't believe I'm starting my 30th year in January. Um, there we go. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. It's like I got the gray hair, but I still feel like I'm in my first 10 years, you know. Um, there you go. Most, most lawyers, most lawyers, I think, feel the opposite. Like uh, the third yeah. week, they feel like it's the 30th year. Yeah, I gain energy as I go along because it, that's the other thing. It's about value creation, right? When we get up in the morning, so many times we as lawyers, and I hate to say this, um, but, you know, I am a lawyer, but I'm really an entrepreneur that practices law. Um, most lawyers are arrogant, unfortunately. They think that JD degree gives them a license for something. In the end, life is pretty simple, right? It's what's our value creation in the world? What, what what are we walking around? Right? So lawyers think about going, you know, I read a study once that people, if given a choice, their own funeral, going to see a lawyer, a majority of people picked going to their own funeral. Um, nobody wakes up. And again, this is just the arrogance of lawyers. And I'm not beating up on lawyers. If this is irritating you, you're probably one of those attorneys that I am talking to. If this isn't irritating you, then you're probably laughing along with me. But, you know, a lot of lawyers get this arrogance that we know and they have to come to us. And that's what I call the traditional practice of law, right? You call us, we'll call you back when we get the time and when we deem appropriate. And when we call you back, we'll tell you when we'll see you. And then when you come in, we'll tell you what, what's going to happen next. Now, again, I'm being rude and, and kind of blunt. We've learned, I think in the last 20 years, that doesn't work as well anymore. You got to have marketing. You got to have all these different things. But in the end, there's still a lot of lawyers that do have this air about them that they're the solution. And, and we know in the world, you know, there's, I, I read another study recently that said, um, there was a study done in 2015 that said the average person is presented something to get their buy-in or sale 7,000 uh, times a day. And that's just my email. Yeah, exactly. That's just Jordan's email. And I saw an updated study that says it could be as much as fifteen to 17,000 a day now in 2021. And when you think about that, what makes us stand out? Well, I tell you what's going to make stand out. People remember how you make them feel. Uh, and people remember when they feel heard. I think, I think those are big issues, right? Um, and that's what I did. I learned to listen early on. And I said to clients, well, what do you want? And they always wanted something that they couldn't get. 
And so that's the next level, I think, which is um, once I heard what they wanted, I would go to the gurus and say, look, clients want this, but, and the lawyers say, well, you can't do that. Oh my gosh. If I had a dime for every time someone, you couldn't do it. Um, I, you know, the IPUG trust I created in 1995, lawyers are still telling me I can't do it. I mean, lawyers have been using it across the country for 20 years. Um, and, and they're still telling me you can't do it. I did a law review article. And, and, and so it's just, it's funny how lawyers think, right? But what I did is I listened to clients and they didn't want what everybody else had. And I, and I started asking the lawyers and they said, you can't do it. And I said, why? And every time they told me the answer, why? It was something that the client didn't care about. So they didn't care that it meant in this particular case that it was includable in their estate for estate tax. They didn't care because they didn't have a taxable estate. So all the rules were put in place so you don't have it, you know, it's not included in your taxable estate. Well, my clients didn't care about a taxable estate. They didn't have, now today, $10 million or $12 million if you're single, 24 if you're married. But back then it was 300,000, 600,000 if you're married. They didn't have that much. And so they didn't care about those rules. So I didn't have to make the trust as restrictive. And that's what it was. Always, you know, and, and I, I remember this distinctly, Jordan. There was one guru. I went back to him two or three times. I'm like, yeah, but they want this. They want this. And the answer was always the same. Well, you can't do it because of A, B, and C. And A, B, and C always had to do with the state tax. And I said, they don't care about a state tax. And then finally, the attorney, the guru, looked at me frustrated and said, you just can't do it. And so that's but you awesome. can. That's another lesson. Yeah. No is not a word that, that goes well in my vocabulary. It's, I mean, when I hear someone say can't or no, it, it, I mean, it actually, like I get shocked. Like if somebody put electrodes on me um, because, and what I mean by that is we all get so comfortable in what we do and we're so good. And listen, I, I'm not, I'm not here. I'm a lawyer and I'm proud of being a lawyer. I love being a lawyer. I love what we're doing for the legal community. I just want to talk to those lawyers that find themselves stuck in a rut. Just open yourselves up and, and enjoy the people around you and, and see, become a value creator. Find a way to solve people's problems in ways you do know and maybe ways you haven't done before. I, I always tell the story to lawyers because I'm in the estate planning uh, industry. I say, let me ask you a question. I say, how many lawyers have done, you know, 10 wills or trusts in the last two months? Everybody raises their hand. I said, how many lawyers have changed anything in those documents for those 10 clients other than the names and beneficiaries. Nobody's hand goes up. Maybe a couple, right? So I said, you've just all become trust mills. You're just using a computer program. You're changing the names. We don't need you for that. The client doesn't need you for that. The client needs us as lawyers for our ability to help them solve problems that they can't solve in other places. And I think Jordan, going back to your comment about the conversation today, the digitization of law, um, how to transform technology disruptions into a bounding opportunity. A little plug for the book Guy Remond and I wrote on, on this whole topic is, is really important because what digitization is going to do is it's actually most lawyers are afraid of it um, because they think it devalues them. And I'm here to say, if you think your value is taking the client's name and putting it into your software, let me tell you, LegalZoom already has you beat because they're about to hit their 5 millionth customer. Now, you notice I call them a customer, not a client, because they're not lawyers. LegalZoom is not a law firm. They're a self-help law, law legal services website. 
Okay. They're not legal services. Let me restate that. They're a self-help site. And they're on their five, they're about to hit their five millionth customer. And anyone that thinks their value is is sitting in front of a client, hearing their name, talking to them, and and putting that into a software that you've done the same thing for the nine people before and the nine people after, you're gonna have a rude awakening because that's not your value. Your value is being able to distinguish when they need more than that, when they need other elements of their planning, right? And so I think that's the challenge we're all uh, leading as lawyers. I mean, I've been practicing now long enough where I remember, you know, the cell phone, right? The cell phone, when I first, I mean, when I graduated law school, they were bag phones, right? Remember the bag phones in the car? Um, I, I do not. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. So I'm dating. Myself. I remember not having a cell phone. I remember a pager and not having a cell phone, but. Okay. Well, I remember the pagers. I remember having this pager and the cell phone when they first came out. Right. So, so really it's about, you know, how did lawyers deal with when these, you know, Cell phones came out, attorney-client privilege, you know, because as lawyers, we always have to be responsible. We always have to maintain our ethical, first and foremost, right? Two things, lawyers. Every lawyer is absolutely grilled into them from law school is ethics, 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 and malpractice, 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 right? Those are the two things. I think everyone comes out of law school convinced they're going to violate ethics and everything they're going to do is malpractice. And so our job Every time new technology comes out is you can't do that. That's the number answer. You can't do that. Ethically, you can't do that. Well, don't worry. We have a whole chapter in the book about the ethical issues and you can do it. Yes, you can. We have a nationally renowned ethics attorney who, you know, who actually wrote the forward, uh, the preface to the book. And so, yeah, it can. But it's disruptive, isn't it? That's why the title is how transform, how to transform technology disruptions and opportunities, because it is very disruptive to lawyers. Right. We have this. So let me hit one thing and then I want to. I'm going to let you um, kind of steer the conversation and where you think would be most valuable to the listeners. Sure. It's about the practice of law today. And it's really been this way for a while. We've always been caught up in what I'm going to call the traditional practice of law, which was you market, somebody calls your office. Oh, but we're really cool. Now they can email your office. Now they can go onto your website. It's just a new version of a call. And, and they call you and then you schedule an appointment for them to come in. Okay. And then you come in. Oh, great. So this is the traditional practice. You come in, you identify the work, legal fees, sign engagement agreements, blah, blah, blah. All right. Then COVID hits. Now we get really sophisticated because now we have this real new cool thing called virtual. We don't even have to sit with clients anymore. Can you imagine? They don't have to come in our office. We could get on a computer screen. Quick, funny story, detour, only because it's funny. In 2017, I put all my companies on a platform called Zoom because we were located in many states and we fell in love with Zoom pretty quickly. Well, I tried to get other lawyers. I tried to get clients. I tried to get allied professionals that I work with to Zoom with me. They would not Zoom with me. They would not do it. Right. What are you crazy? We'll meet you for lunch. I'll do this. right. And I'm like, well, I know, but we, we, we don't have to do every single thing in person. Right. 2017, 18, 19. Well, we all know what happened in 19. Now, people don't want to come in, right? They have this new Zoom. Hey, cool. What are all the marketing firms say? You can have a virtual practice. Okay, let's get really clear. I'm defining here for our listeners my interpretation of the terms. Traditional practice, we just went through. Virtual practice is just taking parts of that traditional practice and delegating it to technology. So now you don't have to call me. You can email me. You can go on my, um, my website and schedule your own appointment. 
it's still the traditional practice. We're just using technology to fulfill it. What we're talking about in this book, and uh, I'd love to come back on with my partner, Guy Riemann, uh, who's the technology guy in the UK that built all this. And, and, and when we built this, now digital means something different. Digital means you're not talking to me and I may never even see you. Now, what does that mean? When you look at those big self-help websites, and there's many of them, they're non-legal services. What, what, what the digitization of law is about and what Guider's about and what we've talked about is it is about giving lawyers, lawyers, the ability to now level the playing field with the big self-help sites and level the playing field with the larger law firms who have a million dollar budget to put into software and build platforms. And so this digital platform allows attorneys, any attorney, to attach it to their website. And now they could provide their legal services on the guider platform that does this. A, you can work with us on the traditional method. B, you can work with us virtually. Or C, you can work with us digitally and you get to pick. So you come into the website, you decide how long you want to stay on the website and how much you want to do yourself. You decide how much you want us to help you with. And then you decide if you want us to do it all. So it's called kind of do it yourself. Let us help you do it or we'll do it for you. And now that's the model. So that's why it's changing the practice of law because as chapter, I think, let me just confirm. I think it's chapter two, uh, it's chapter three. Lawyers don't have a choice. Consumers expect it. So regardless of you and me sitting here and pontificating, we're not the ones writing the checks, right? So a great friend of mine, Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach, he says, pay attention to the check writers, right? I sit in a room with a bunch of lawyers and we think we know all the answers, but guess what? There's a guy with a robe on that we go in front of and he gives us the answers, right? So it's kind of like this with technology, you know, we, we all have our piece and parts, but there's bigger things. And so in, in with regard to the consumers, again, maybe I live in a bubble, Jordan. I don't know your experience, but my experience is um, consumers really don't want the traditional way anymore. Now, they're not saying they won't come in. They're saying, I don't want to come in. And uh, I had a, uh, a speaker at my, my conference, my national conference that I run twice a year about eight weeks ago. Uh, Scott... Uh, his name will come to me in a moment, but he built his whole practice building the digital platforms for the financial services companies, the big ones, the, the Morgan Stanley's and all that 20 years. He was doing it back in 2000, if you can imagine. Wow. And um, yeah, when they were saying no one will ever use that stuff. Right. Um, so he has been building there, but he said something that I thought was the most powerful thing I've ever heard. And it's so relevant. He said, people don't want to talk to you until they want to talk to you. Now, think about that. In the new, and don't forget the clients. Think about you and I, lawyer listening. Think about you. Do you want to, when you go online, do you want to talk to every company you go online with? No, you want to go online. You want to figure out what they're doing. Can they help you? Are they the right thing? Are they not the right thing? And at some point you want to talk to somebody. And then it's a whole nother question whether you can talk to them, right? Whether they have good enough technology where you can connect with them. Today, the consumer expects and remember, as lawyers, we are also consumers. They're demanding. It's not even, it's, they're demanding. They want to know everything and anything until they want to, they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to talk to you until they want to talk to you. And that's really where I think we see Guider in this new digital platform for lawyers exclusively. This is really for lawyers. And, and it's not a pitch about the platform. It's a pitch about lawyers 
We have to get in the game. We have non-legal websites directing clients. Five million people, five million have gone to non-lawyers. One website, not all the other ones, right? What, what's happening to the legal profession? So we have to get in there. We have to get our imprint on this. We have to get our imprint on this, which is chapter four, collaboration and technology. The technology is there. What do we as lawyers want it to do for us so that we could be a better representation to those clients? So was there a was there a moment where like Geiger came to be or is this just you've constantly seen this oncoming need of the better utilization of technology or the love, digitization? Love that question. Let me tell you why. No. Yeah. Got, you know how I did it? Remember I told you earlier, I always listen. So I work a lot with financial professionals, right? Estate planning law firms work with financial professionals. We team together. And I said to this advisor, what could I do that can help you? What can I do as a lawyer that helps you or your clients? I, I don't need you to refer clients. Just tell me what can I, he says, you know, Dave, one of the hardest thing for me as an advisor, I cannot get clients to come in and see you. I know they need it. They know they need it. They're busy. They're like, no, I don't want to go to lawyers. Too much work. He goes, can you just give me something really simple so that I can do it for you? And I said, well, I can't do that because I'm a lawyer. I said, but here's what I can do. I can create a, I created a two-page summary. I said, if, here's a two-page summary. If you go through this two-page summary with your clients and send it to us, we can have one teleconference with them and we can do their basic will, healthcare proxy, power of attorney. That's where it started five years ago. So then I said, you know what? This is crazy. Too much manhandling. I said, I got to see if I can build, you know, we live in the modern technology world. Let's see if I can build it. So I went to programmers and um, it was crazy, the pricing. And they really were like, what? What do you do? Because they're not used to working with lawyers, right? Because the legal space is different. They don't know anything about attorney client privilege. They don't know anything about ethics. You know, all the rules we have to play by. So I tried doing it that way and, and it failed. So then I found a technology guy that I'd already partnered with before from the New Zealand. And he actually built a whole platform for me. At the time, we called it Kiosk. Because the concept was we would like, you know, think about going into a mall, into a kiosk and doing your own estate plan right there in the kiosk. And uh, so that was the first thing we did. And um, he built it and it worked. We use it in our office but it just wasn't technologically advanced enough. It was so basic and simple. I'm like, you know, this just isn't going to work because my law firm is clunky. The, you know, my law firm's the laboratory. I have an active law firm. So everything I want to do, I try first with our clients and say, I always say, you'll never know the stuff I did that didn't work. I'll tell you about it, but you'll never see it. But all the stuff that worked, we bring the market, right? So um, we, it was so close and I kind of gave up on it. And then I met Guy. I met Guy at a strategic coach uh, coaching day in Toronto. We had lunch. We had a 15 minute conversation. I said, tell you what, Guy. Um, again, Guy's story is he 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 had a technology company. Did I, did I give Guy's story? I didn't give Guy's story yet, did I? No, you didn't. Um, he, he started a technology company, 50, 60, got up to 50, 60, 70 engineers. He was in Dublin and London and New York and um, and. I think he was somewhere in the Czech Republic. And um, he ultimately sold out to a company you and I now know as Disney Plus. So Disney Plus, the whole platform of Disney Plus was built by his company. And he was he was one of three companies acquired together, which is now known as Disney Plus as part of a $3.5 billion acquisition. And so we're having lunch 
in Toronto and, and um, during this coaching program that we're both part of strategic coach with Dan Sullivan. And, and um, we just started talking. So I said, well, tell you what guy, let's set up a 30 minute calls. I'll tell you what I'm thinking. If it's worth another call, we'll set up another call and we'll keep having calls until we don't have calls. So we set up a 30 minute call. He was intrigued. I said, I want to create this thing. And he, he'll help when he comes on, he'll tell the story about, yeah, the first thing I met Dave, he said, I need a tech guy. I'm trying to build this thing. People need this. People need this. They need to be able to work with lawyers. They're, they're getting, you know, they're getting in harm's way, not being able to work directly with lawyers. And so he's like, well, tell me more. So we had a 30 minute call. He goes, well, let's schedule another hour call. So we scheduled another hour call. He goes, well, let's schedule another hour call. And he says, well, what would it look like if we built it out? And I said, so another hour call. Well, three months later, we started the company. We started developing. We had two developers starting. And then we had about six developers programming for the next 18 months. And we actually released the product in a limited form uh, back in July. And then we launched it nationally in October. And so that's how that's the story of how it happened, right? So three third times the charm, right? So guy was my third attempt to try and get this thing out there. Now, here's the thing. Five years after my vision, it's finally here, five years. And I'm still the first in the industry. So this Crazy. Is my point. that's how far behind the legal industry is in technology. And, and so why again we named the book the digitization of law it's happening it's already happened we've done it other places have done it right those big self-help websites have done it um but the second part of the conversation is how to transform technology disruptions into abounding opportunities because that's our job as lawyers now We're, we can't we can't ignore this this is not going away so that's why when we created these chapters, um, the first chapter, I just highlight the chapters because it tells the story of what us as lawyers, the, the challenge we had ourselves, I as a lawyer, and then I used 10 or 12 firms from my national organization that came in early and they helped me understand what was good, what was bad. And so it kind of went through uh, the process where number one is technology versus the practice of law, right? So how many lawyers struggle with technology? Well, I can tell you, anyone, my age or older is going to struggle. I'm kind of on that cusp. You know, I, I came out of law school in the early 90, 1991, 90, 92. In that time frame, you know, that, that's when, I mean, I used a computer as a word processor. That's what a computer was. I had, oh my God, I had a computer I could type on and I could change things without having to change the whole typewriter. That's my generation, right? Now, now we know computers are not a typewriter, right? But, but as we saw it, as we saw it, for a lot of lawyers, they struggle with technology. They don't understand that. So, and I put technology versus like a lawsuit, one A versus B, because it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle for lawyers. Um, they either know it or they don't, and they're afraid of it or they're not. Here's the thing: I'm I, I'm I've, I'm credited with doing some of the most technologically advanced stuff in the legal space, and I, I I'm lousy in technology, but I'm really good at bringing people together who know technology to accomplish the things that I know lawyers need. And that really, I'll get to that, that's chapter four. But chapter two is says, all right, once we look at that, what are the conflicts, challenges, and barriers? We've talked about those, right? Ethics, all, you know, attorney-client privilege, maintaining all those things. Um, chapter three, lawyers don't have a choice. Consumers expect it. The game's changed. Post-COVID world, it's a different world. Chapter four, collaboration and technology. 
working together. Lawyers have got to get engaged in this conversation. So it's designed. That's why I do it. That's why I took it on. I need to represent the lawyers. I need lawyers to come in. We all need to be working together to make make the case and to make the technology the way we want it to be that distinguishes us from those other places. Chapter five, you'll love this one. Mindset of an entrepreneurial attorney. Law school, they don't teach you this stuff, do they? Law school, they don't teach you how to run a law firm, right? What's the mindset of an entrepreneurial attorney? Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. They read books. I'm an entrepreneur. No, you're a business owner. An entrepreneur is someone that can walk away from their business for a year. And when they come back, it's bigger than when they left. That's an entrepreneur. Who said that? Michael Gerber? It might have been Michael Gerber. It might have been uh, Robert Kiyosaki. One of those two, I think, said that. Or, or maybe it was around that. But you walk away from your business for a year. You come back. It's bigger than when you left. That's an entrepreneur. Um, chapter six, scaling your practice digitally. Right, you know, in the marketing business, everything digitally today. Chapter seven, legal marketing in the digital world. Chapter eight, your attorney, your way, a modern case study, where we talk about how what we have to do now as lawyers is we have to give the consumers access to us their way, not our way. Our way, we're not in charge anymore. We're going to get our butts kicked. Let me restate that. We're already getting our butts kicked. Totally. Our non-lawyers. And so we've got to get in the game and we've got to make, look, you and I know, and I mean, I'm preaching to the choir. It's different. Lawyers are different than non-lawyers. The non-lawyer stuff is good. It's basic stuff. I get it. But you and I, we lawyers have to deal with the things that aren't, that weren't supposed to happen. All that stuff works. If everything works the way it's supposed to work and everybody dies the way they're supposed to, and everybody loves each other when they die and there's no family fights and all that stuff's good. All that basic stuff works great. Any glitches. And let me tell you, you're going to pay me as a lawyer five times what you would have paid me to do it right before it happened. And maybe even more. And that's why we got we got to get lawyers back front and center of helping people with legal issues. So from the law firm's perspective, or I guess from the, from the lawyer who is transitioning into a business owner, into an entrepreneur, what does this look like from their side? Yeah, well, the first thing is it, it's a mindset shift, right? So um, one of the things, even with our own lawyers, so I, I started with my lawyers first, my, my national lawyer. So as you said, I'm the founder of Lawyers with Purpose. We're a national organization of lawyers across the country who do estate planning, elder law, asset protection. We take our, 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 our typical member is what we call a recovering litigator. You know, they've litigated for 10 years. They're like, oh, my God, I can't take this stress anymore. They love the idea that they can control their own calendar, work when they want to work, make a good amount of money. And clients actually like you. They actually bring you cookies and they refer all their friends because they like you and you help them. Right. So lawyers are not used to that. They're used to that adversity. So we call it the country club practice. Right. So those transitioning lawyers come in, the lawyers of purpose. And the first thing we have to do is work with their mindset. Right. The mindset is this. We're creating value and helping other people. But and I'm using that word, but I hate the word, but but I use it in cer certain circumstances because there's a, a, a thing I've always learned. Whenever you say but, it's a horrible word because it negates everything that you said before it. So I just said, hey, you know, we do all these great things, but, right? And I, and I use that word very rarely. But in this case, here's the thing. Today, remember I said earlier about 7,000 to 15,000 things a day coming at us. And now we got to get our message and we've got to get our, uh, 
our target market to understand what we can do for them. And, and we have to do it in a way that they're accustomed to. If they can't do it on their cell phone, it ain't going to happen. Okay. And, and that's what I mean about the digital platform. When, when you have the platform like Guider, you, you, you can be a litigator trying to set up an estate planning practice and, and it's all there. It's just, it gives you all of that. You couldn't go build yourself. And, and the power, point is that then the consumer can go on and work with you. Now down the road, we'll start working with other type lawyers. So right now, it works well with estate planning. Obviously, next will be more of the transactional business type stuff. Litigation, we even think it has a role in litigation, right? How your clients interact with you, give you information, um, you know, the ability to scan and to be able to do that digitally as opposed to virtually. Um, now, again, you can't do a deposition digitally, but, um, but there's always some elements. But again, the more the technology can do, what technology is going to do, what digitization is going to do, it is going to strip away any function. Here's what I want every lawyer listening, because this is the exciting part. Every function you or your staff fill in your office that can be delegated to technology will be. Let me give you an example. Every law firm, I don't care what kind of practice you're in, you have a client intake form. Is that a fair statement? Why? Well, because or you should. Yeah. Yeah. Your ethics require you got to know their name. You got to do a conflicts check. You got to do all these things, right? How does one typically get that these days? Same way they did it 40 years ago, except now, yeah, take the information over the phone or, hey, um, answer this questionnaire and mail it in. Well, digitization isn't any of that. Digitization is they go onto your, onto your portal. We'll call it the portal into the platform. And they just complete that information. And then the technology knows what to do with it. So it automatically imports it into my system. Now, when I open up my page, I don't have to enter anything. It's all there. I know everything about them. I could take them through a series of questions. If you come into my office under the traditional method, I'm going to ask you, Jordan, a series of questions. How can I help you, Jordan? What's your issue today? Do you need a will? Do you need to trust? And, and everyone has, all of us as lawyers, there's routine people we see. There's patterns, right? We call them decision trees. Every client that comes into your office, whether you're doing litigation, whether you're doing corporate, or whether you're doing estate planning, there's a decision tree always happening in every engagement, in every interaction. We're just taking those decision trees and we're putting them into digital format so that the consumer can go through that those same questions, never talking to me, but talking to the platform, which knows the answers I would give, given the answer they gave me. So it's taking anything and everything we can digitize and we're digitizing it. Now people say, well, that's going to put us out of business. No, it's quite the opposite. It's going to make you more competitive because now I don't need to have five office staff. I can get down to one or two office staff and they can focus on getting the work done instead of talking to the clients, right? Now, again, we still have to talk to the clients because you need relationship. You need to get information, but all that gets pared down, right? Minimized down, digitized, right? Let the clients do their part. Um, and let them choose. Like in our platform, the more you do, the less you pay. If you want right. us to do it all, you're going to pay the premium. Now, there's always something that the computer can't do. That's what we as lawyers want to focus on is what the computer can't do. And that's really what's important. And I think that's important. And, and I think we cover that in um, the conflicts, challenges and barriers is that this is not going to hurt lawyers. It's going to help lawyers. It's going to help us distinguish ourselves from technology and help the client in the process know when they need us. 
right? And that's really what good digitization of law will do. Or at least it's going to help the right attorneys, the ones who are truly engaging in providing the best service, who are truly trying to stay at the cutting edge, who are truly trying to provide the best experience for their clients. Exactly. Exactly. And in the end, and, and I think this is one of the other lessons I think you and I talked about the last time we spoke. I could tell you I've been blessed. I've been I've done very, very well. And I could tell you in all my endeavors and all the companies I've created, I've never ever created one to make money. Meaning, um, I never said, oh, if I do this, I'm going to make X. It's just because I don't know what when you do a business to me, you got to go in to create value. In the end, if you create value, people write you checks. In fact, look, I, I call it the beware of the four walls. You know what the four walls are? So I get my leadership team, my executive commit, my executive team. They sit in a room and they're talking. They're like, oh, man, yeah, we can do A, we can do B, we can do C, yeah, we can do this, we can do this. I said, well, what do, what do the people out there think? Huh? I said, I know what we all think. We're masters of our own imagination. What do the check writers think? See, and that's where I think lawyers have to get out of their own perspective because we're so stuck in our own perspective inside our own four walls. We have to get outside of our four walls so that we can see what the other people think because when you listen to them, they will tell you their problems. And, and when you find ways to solve problems that other people can't solve, that's the job. Find a way to solve problems other people can't solve and checks will follow. But don't go in it for the checks. It never works. Totally. I love that. All right. So we are getting towards the end of the time. I want to yeah. make sure that we get as much knowledge, wisdom, insight out of you as possible. So as we get to the end, is there anything else that you need to make sure that we cover? I mean, I know we could definitely have this conversation for hours, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, no, I, I, I mean, this, what, what my hope takeaway for the, for the listeners are, and I want to apologize for my rough start, but I do that just to knock people no. off, just yeah, to knock course. people off their chairs a little bit, but, and I mean, rough start, meaning kind of coming out strong, but you can see I'm a lovable guy. This is about, this is about people, the people we represent, right? They're being directed by high dollar marketing. I can't turn my TV on without a commercial. I, I can't tell you the last time I turned my TV on, thank God I don't watch it a lot. But every time I watch it, there's a commercial for these self-help legal services every single time. Okay. A lot of money. And, and, and that's really the message I think here. To put your head in the sand would be the greatest mistake of your professional career. Okay. Yeah, you'll survive. You'll still do good enough, but you'll be struggling more and more and more as time goes on. And you'll totally. be doing less and less. You'll be doing more and more for less and less. And, and so what, what I think the opportunity, how to transform technology disruptions into a bonding opportunity is really about us embracing the technology, not fighting it. But, and I use that, embrace it, but meaning not cut that off. So I'm going to say and, embrace the technology, change the but to and, and distinguish and show how you were different. And that's really what the guider platform does is it creates the variables and the decision trees that say, listen, your issues are far beyond what this computer can do without me. You really need to click this button and schedule an appointment. Okay. And, and so 
it takes the client as far as they can go on a computer. And when the client has issues that the computer can't handle, it gently says to them, this can't happen this way. You need to come in and see me. We can do it virtually. We can do it traditionally. And, and that's what I want people to embrace, to embrace what our value truly is, is not trying to compete with the self-help websites. But if we can create, like, for example, in Guider, the lawyer, it's a self-help in the sense that the, the client can go in and do their whole plan, but, and it's a but, while they do their whole plan, they don't get it released to them until the attorney's reviewed it. And it could be, it instantaneously goes to the law firm, so it could be at most a 24-hour wait. Um, and you do it on your phone, so on weekends, the attorney can even click the, they have to go through and do their minimum review to maintain their ethics, and then bam, it goes right back. But now you know you got an attorney that reviewed it, and then there's a check a, check a box if you want to come in and sign it, and we'll do a review and signing with you. So that's really what it's about. It's about helping the client where they're at. They like that self-help by doing it through a lawyer instead of being abandoned and being out there by non-lawyer type sites. That's the message. Embrace technology embrace the disruption and turn it into opportunity. Love it. All right. So I want to talk about our next episode. Um, our next episode is going to air next Thursday. So Thursday, December 16th at 2 PM. So a half an hour after you watch this episode, we've got our good friend of the show. Uh, Russell Farbiar is coming on changing of the hats, a personal journey from being a lawyer to running a business. So a lot of the stuff that Dave talked about when it comes to going from the uh, lawyer to the business owner, to the entrepreneur, we're going to hear Russell Farbiar's next Thursday, December 16th at 2 p.m. Walk us through his story. But Dave, I know you dropped so many nuggets of wisdom, so much great insight here. I'm going to get a little bit more because this is our, our final takeaway. So if somebody has been listening to the show for the last, I don't know, uh, let's see, about 50 minutes, they remember nothing that you said except what you're going to share here. What would be your biggest piece of advice, your number one takeaway to help other attorneys become the exhibit A of a successful attorney like yourself? Surround yourself with people that are can do, how can I not know? So a lot of no's, how can I? Let's just start, every time you hear yourself, someone says no. Hey, hey, I wanna do this, no. Well, how can I? Just those three words are so powerful, it shifts your brain. How can I become a how can I and surround yourself with people that help you become a how can I, right? All of us together have our talents, right? Dan Sullivan calls it unique ability. My dad growing up always called it your God-given talent. How do, how do you use it and how do you put it with other people's God-given talents that when you put it together, it's great stuff. Surround yourself with people that are forward thinking, that are not fear-based. Uh, there's plenty of that today. Leave that for other people. Surround yourself with people moving forward and they're part of the solution rather than part of the complaining. I love that so much. And to circle that back to what you talked about at the beginning, if you can't do this tomorrow, understand that's no problem because the law school gave you three years of no or teaching you how to properly say no to everything possible. So don't beat yourself up if it takes a while to switch into the yeah. how can I. It comes. Yeah, it does. But again, you surround yourself with people like that. That's why we love the Lawyers of Purpose community because we're all how can I people. Now, they don't all start that way. But when you get around a lot of people, you start to become like them. There we go. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dave. Thank you to everybody who listened to this and watched it. We will see you back next Thursday on the 16th at 2 p.m. for our next episode. And we'll have a webinar for you Monday in our Solutions for Lawyers Facebook group. 
That's solutions for lawyers by lawyers on 10 tips to a three-day work week. So I hope you will have a wonderful weekend and then join me to find out how you too can work less and enjoy life more. Have a great day. See you all at the next episode.